guys, we are excited to talk to you this episode about career and calling. Um, Faith and I get asked questions about our careers often, and we thought it'd be great to do an episode talking about our careers in the hopes that we can encourage you as you navigate career and calling. And I think also talking about things we know now that we wish we had known about career and calling. And so, yeah, we're just going to jump right into the conversation. Faith, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I was a child, I wanted to be this for a long time. So when I was young and um, dumb, I wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to have my own practice. And really, I wanted to be like my own little hospital. And I wanted to homeschool six kids. I wanted three boys and three girls. So that is so crazy because I can't even like manage seeing blood. Like I sliced my finger open recently. And when I tell you I screamed bloody murder. And then when I saw that I like jacked my finger up real bad with the cut, I wanted to pass out. How I thought I could be a doctor? <laughs> I don't even know. This is so hysterical to me. Like I read this and I was like, Faith, what? were you thinking? I didn't know anything about money. (laughs) Nothing. I just think a small business owner while also homeschooling six children. Dumb. And for anybody out there that is doing this, please, Lord, you are a superwoman. I hope you have a great support network. I hope your husband pays you a lot of money. I hope you have some assistance, someone who cleans your house, because girl, I don't even know. You you deserve the world, sis. On Mother's Day, they be, need to be pulling out gold bars yeah. and diamonds and pearls for you, because sis, you're doing it. If you have your own business and are homeschooling six kids, Jesus. That is just oh honestly your, your grace for that. You know what I mean? And when I was young, you know, I wasn't fully... I hadn't really come into myself, you know, obviously. I didn't really know who Faith would become. And who Faith has become is not a, a six-children mother. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not even, <laughs> I'm not even, I don't have any kids yet at all. And so, you know, who knows what I'll yeah. be. I, in my head, I'm like, maybe I can do like two, okay? But six, I, it was beyond yeah. me. I didn't know. I didn't even know about inflation. Yeah. I didn't know about bills. I didn't even know. I didn't. You know how much money it costs these days? They say it costs like over $300,000 for one child. And I, I really believe that's doing the bare minimum. I think that's a, yeah, like, as a, someone, a low estimate. Yeah, as someone whose parents have supported them a lot, I really feel like that feels like an underestimation. So maybe just depending on what kind of parent and or your budget but yeah girl I don't know but you know thank God for you know spiritual maturity elevation you know when I was a child I had childish thoughts I really did have some childish thoughts (laughs) and it matured um I think when I was little speaking of childish thoughts when I was little I really wanted to be Oprah not like Oprah I wanted to be her okay and I don't know why I thought that because I am an introvert I don't like public speaking, and I actually find it very weird when I'm out and people are like, oh, I listen to the podcast. And it's like, even though in my mind I know this is for other people, I still feel very awkward when people – and this if you say this to me, this is not like shade to you. This is like my own internal mm-hmm. and why this sort of desire to be Oprah – it just was not based on the realities of my personality. Right. I'm thrilled – for people to listen to the podcast and tell me that they found something helpful in this. 
but it just is always like, oh my gosh, oh, okay. <laughs> and I just like to think about like how many shows Oprah did. And even now, like she's Oprah and I just, it that lifestyle, I mean, I wouldn't mind being a billionaire. I don't think, but I definitely do not want to do what she had to do to get where she was. Oh I think I just gosh, saw like yeah. the glamorous aspects of it. And y'all, it is a lot of work. I mean, even doing this podcast is a lot of work and uh, we're thrilled to do it. But I just think, oh my gosh, to, to work on the scale that she has worked to get where she is, I don't have it in me. Yeah, so. it, she's done a lot of work. And I think the most interesting thing that I will say about like life, career, especially in this age of the internet, is that everything looks easier on video than it is in real life. When you watch a person's life on video and you do those time lapses in the 20 seconds and their their kitchen goes from from dirty to clean, their business goes from from zero dollars, all of a sudden they make half a million and they're driving a Maserati and telling you to buy my course and I'll teach you to do it too. Like, come on. Yeah, girl. It is not that easy. And I think online, it really sells you this false perception. So I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of glad that I really didn't grow up in the age of the internet where it, oh, that sure. it is like at the place it is today. Like had I been a teenager at this time, it would yeah. be so difficult for me to get settled on what I wanted to think I might want to do with my life because I would be comparing myself to every other 18 and 19 year old who started a business that went viral or who became an influencer for doing like you know stinking TikTok dances and now they live in LA and you know have a mansion you know what I mean like it would be so hard to be young so I do think though that as we talk about childhood and those young versions of ourselves there is something to be said about the seeds that get planted in us when we're young absolutely and the ways that we see those kind of like play out and flourish in our life today so for you like what would you say like did you see any correlations between your childhood interest and like what that's led you to doing today in your career yeah so I always tell the story so when I was like 12 Um, you know, when you do like the standardized testing Mm -hmm. and you don't have any homework because you're doing standardized testing, I came home and I was so upset because there was no homework. And my mom said to me, if you could figure out a way to be a student, like, you know, for the rest of your life and like make money and still like keep up the standard of living, which you uh, uh, like, you would do that. Like she said that to me when I was 12. And I think now, like, as someone who's, this is, like, my fourth degree, I mean, that's so true. Like, she was, like, I have always loved to read and write. And I didn't think of it as, like, oh, I want to do this as a career. I think it was just, like, oh, this is a hobby. It's something I enjoy doing. And so now that I do it, you know, a a PhD program is essentially, you know, getting paid to read and write. But I think also, too, just, like, that I write publicly and get paid for my writing um, is sort of crazy. But I do think... Yeah, there's a correlation. And I would say, I think oftentimes, you know, I was joking earlier, we're like, oh, put away childish things. But I really do think, to your point of your question, there is a thread sometimes. Like, what are the things, you know, that you enjoyed as a child? Because I do think that God is placing in you these things he wants to take you. Now, will you, you know, be Oprah or be a doctor? Maybe not. But, you know, life is 
seasonal and, you know, that God can use those desires and interests in other ways. Because I think faith, I mean, you're not a doctor, but a social worker helps people. And in some ways, like, cares for people kind of on a deeper level than a doctor that just deals mainly with, like, physical ailments. So what about you? I think for me, I definitely had interest in helping people. So I remember really distinctly, I was five years old. My parents were doing this drive, this clothing drive um, for our church. And it was for those that were experiencing um, homelessness. They were unhoused. And I will never forget them putting me up on a stool. We were folding clothes and stuff. And I was handing, um, you know, things out to people. And I remember thinking about how much I loved that. And that moment really marked me. And I knew that I wanted to spend my life helping people. That's what I wanted to do. I did not know what that would look like. I really didn't have a desire to go to college. For most of my, you know, like young adult, like, um, well, not adult, but like junior high, high school self, I didn't think of myself as a college, you know, type of going person. I knew I just wanted to help people. So for the longest time, I thought maybe I'll just work in full-time ministry. That's my way of helping people. But then over time, like obviously things shifted and, you know, I got my degree um, in social work and I really found my passion and that I wanted to help people in a way where I could be a part of bringing systemic change. And that really led me into activism. And so all those things, you know, are seeds that were planted when I was young. You know, justice mattered to me. Treating people barely mattered to me when I was young. Standing up for people was important to me. And so all of those things, I feel like those threads were there. I just never pictured how it would all come together. And seeing myself now, I was like, oh, it all makes sense, you know? But when I was young, it was kind of like a piece here and a piece there and a piece here and a piece there. And looking at it now, like it really does unfold into something really beautiful. So I don't know if that's kind of how you've seen things happen for you. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I think even for Christians, when we talk about career, I think we're always cautious or we always talk about it in sort of this larger sort of Christian idea of calling, Um, sort of this idea that, you know, God has given each of us some sort of unique, for lack of a better word, thing to do here on earth. Um, And that, yeah, like your job is to do that thing. So your career might be a part of your calling, but that calling is kind of this much larger umbrella. And so just kind of on what you were saying, like, have you felt some sort of calling And then thinking about how calling is tied with career, how do you think that that plays out in your career? Yeah, I think that, I guess I would say when it comes to calling, I think it's kind of weird because, you know, for some people, if that's something you haven't heard of, or it might feel like over like spiritualized, and I do think calling can be over spiritualized. I, I, I just think for me, it's just been like, I felt like, I was put on this earth to help people. I was put on this earth to speak up for those um, who might feel they've been like wronged or experienced an injustice. Um, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. And once I learned about the Enneagram, I was like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like my personality is like justice oriented. And so I, I feel like for me personally, when I am doing things 
that are helping people that are, you know, working towards the work of justice and fighting injustice, I feel like I'm in the sweet spot in my life that I'm doing what I'm called to do. Um, I love writing and I love telling stories and I love, you know, creating creating things that make people feel like we could be sitting together. So I might not be able to know everyone or meet every person, but if I could find a way to write something or create something that makes you feel like you're sitting with me, that's special to me. And I feel like I'm, you know, I'm doing something that feels good to me because I enjoy it and love it, but also that helps people. So that's what I would say. I feel like it is for me. I don't have like a really like deep answer, but that's kind of what it feels like for me. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's right. Like, I feel like my calling or the thing that I like just really makes me so excited and happy is like teaching. And that has looked different in every stage of life. You know, sometimes it's just been maybe not my actual job, but just like in one-on-one discipleship relationships or leading Bible study. Or, you know, there were seasons of my life where I did that, where I taught a lot of workshops and seminars and I did that through public speaking. I think we do that through the podcast. Um, and so I think for me, like the, I think the big thing I think I have learned is that calling doesn't look the same every season. And that sometimes, you know, like I feel really fortunate to be in a season of life where I do think my calling and my career align. But I know for a lot of people that that's not where they are for practical reasons, right? Like you have to pay bills and you need health insurance and your kidneys shoes and you cannot um dream dreams and I feel like people make you feel bad you know like to what you were saying about like over spiritualizing calling I 100% believe that we do that um that you are some sort of elite Christian especially if your calling involves something in the church right Mm -hmm. like that you're an elite Christian but I think even for people that have to pay bills and you know don't feel like you know their career and their calling align you know, to the extent that you can, finding ways to, like, use those gifts. So even if the only person that ever hears you sing is your child, right, like, while you're doing dishes, do that, that, Mm -hmm. right? Like, maybe you're never, you know, maybe you're not even ever going to be able to be in the church choir or sing a solo because you can't go to choir practice because it's at 6 p.m. and you work the night shift. So, you know, but, like, figuring out, you know, maybe you love to write, but you only ever write in a journal. Like, do that, right? Like, This idea that it has to be this huge public platform, I do think, you know, even with like social media, right, like that the only people living out their gifts are people that are doing it in these big public ways. And there are a lot of quiet, faithful ways to live out your calling and to serve God that people will not just wouldn't be obvious. I just I always think there was a lady at our church at my old church who passed away a couple of years ago and at her funeral all these people came forward and talked about how she touched their lives and she was kind of like the Sunday the head of Sunday school I go to a, like I went as a very traditional black Baptist church the Sunday school lead and so she would do like workshops on how to lead Sunday school and like teach and so helped me kind of hone my teaching gifts in a lot of ways but her actual job was she was like a high school English teacher mm-hmm. middle school English teacher And so a lot of it was like people who had had her um, in their class that were like, I didn't think I like to read books, but I do like to read. Or and I just think that like, okay, so this woman was not like, you know, a public teacher. She didn't go to conferences and get thousands of dollars to speak on a stage. But I think in terms of impact and just 
faithfulness in the calling that God gave to her. Like, I can't really think of a better example of someone who just, wherever it was, had a heart to see people learn, whether that was, yeah, I don't know what you read in middle school, Great Expectations. Yeah. It was so long ago. <laughs> I don't know. To like, you know, Charles Dickens or Maya Angelou or, you know, Luke. And so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like so much of my thoughts about calling have changed as I've gotten older. I also think it is a mistake to think about calling just on your sort of individual level. Yeah. I think that's one of the things we do as Americans. I do think we have community callings and I do think, yeah, and I think we don't talk about that enough and we make it this very like lonely isolating process and it's like for you what you individually can do for God and God doesn't one need you to do anything for him but then also too like yeah you're just it's you're sometimes I think we we are too focused on ourselves and finding our thing and our own path and that's like looking around the people around you and like what is it that they need because you might find your calling in that like you know Mm -hmm. like I don't know. So I would say that, I mean, that would be those. Yeah, I do think career and calling are tied together, but I don't think they're as closely linked as we sometimes make them in the church. Hey, y'all, I would love it if you would go and pre-order my new book, Remember Me Now, A Journey Back to Myself and a Love Letter to Black Women. This is a story that I think so many of you can relate to, regardless of where you're at and what stages you're at in life. I hope that you'll go grab this book, share it with friends, start a book club, and tell everybody you know about it. Remember Me Now comes out January 17th, 2023. I think some things that I've been reflecting on over the years is how we in church, even in church especially, kind of like use pastors as this like barometer of like glamorizing how they're walking in their calling in ministry. And I think that ministry, I'm like using ear quotes, looks different for different people. And there's nothing wrong with working in the public sector and not working at like a a church or or whatever, you know? Um, And just like you're saying, your teacher, her faithfulness, the seeds that she was like, sewing that impacted you so much for your life like that is so important and I think that it is so easy and I've even got caught in this I think we all have like in assuming that this like elevated status or this big calling like whatever it is that that's like the pinnacle but it really is not like to me I think what I've learned and continue to learn in this season of my life is the beauty of like faithfulness in the present, in your life, the day in and the day out, the day in and the day out. And when I tell you like, that is a much harder discipline than (laughs) (laughs) it is for you to be like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be seen on stage for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Like it is much harder to trust God and stay faithful and the things that you are doing in your day-to-day life because honestly sometimes we don't feel like our day-to-day lives are exciting the mundane things and to trust that with just doing your best that somehow some way you are still making an impact in your community I can tell you people to this day whether it was Ayana that took me out when I was like eight years old and I was just 
you know, uh, when I was like eight years old, she was taking me out to shop and doing all this stuff. Like I felt so valued. I felt so special. Like I can tell you mentor after mentor after mentor. This was not any people like on the stage doing anything, whatever. They were just living their lives and decided to take some time with me to love me. And that made all the difference. Like we really underestimate the ways that we can have an impact and, I think I would love for you, this is like kind of a like a detour, but I would love for you to talk a little bit more about community calling because people don't talk about that much. And I do think that yeah. would be helpful for people to like leave with that nugget. Yeah. So I would say for me, one of the things, and again, sometimes in life, it is not a direct line. I have had other people call out gifts in me. So like, you know, now at 38, I can say that one of my gifts and like my calling is teaching, but I didn't always know that, right? Like I went to, in my twenties, I went to law school and I thought I wanted to work in politics. And I can just remember like distinct situations. Like I'll tell you about two, like a women's conference at our church. And I was like in a workshop and I don't remember what the workshop was about, but the woman leading it. And I, this comes to mind because I literally just saw her this week and I, I had to tell her this because you know, I think when people make an impact on your life, you should you should tell them. But she said something to me after the workshop. She's like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And I was like, sure. You know, I don't know. And she was like, you have a gift in you to teach. And I see that you're holding back. And I was like, you don't even know me. What are you doing? <laughs> it was very like alarming. Right. But I also think you know, that was like a stranger, but someone in the community, she went to my church. Um, And then the other is like my best friend and her husband, um, who he pastors a church in the Boston area. When I applied to seminary, I asked him to write one of my letters of recommendation. And he said, oh, Catherine, I'm so glad that you're finally doing this because, you know, I have felt that, you know, God has called you to this, but also too, that you've expressed that you wanted to go to seminary. And I was like, Jeremy, I don't ever remember having that conversation with you. I I I I had no idea what he was talking about. But his his be- my best friend his wife was like, "Oh yeah, I remember?" and she had like very specific it and I'm not saying that they made it up. It probably did happen. But this idea that like where I am in my life, I would have gotten on my own if it was just me and sort of my own prayer life without the people that I'm in community with speaking life and encouragement and saying, hey, I think, you know, I can think of like Lindsay, who we've had on the podcast saying like, hey, I don't think this is you fit here anymore. I think God is calling you to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the reason why you're staying here is because you're afraid. Right. And and I think having people in your life who can can do that with you. But I also think, you know, discerning your calling in community, but I also think community calling. Right. So then I think about like, I'm very into my academic interest of like eco theology and like land and sort of reconciliation with the land, particularly for black people, American black people because of enslavement. My gosh, I cannot wait for the Um, classes you're going to teach anyways. I'm like, I'm like glued to my screen, like don't talk more about it. Okay. Yeah. So, but you know, like I think about the people doing work to heal communities through food. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned this week about like, uh, I think it's called the black, Food justice. I'll put it in the notes because I'm going to say the wrong thing. Okay. But he is a pastor from the Baltimore area, or he, 
Herbert Brown, Pastor Herbert Brown, and just the work that he's doing through churches to just like feed people, right? So this is a communal calling outside of the work of the church to garden and offer vegetables to people who might not otherwise have access to fresh food or churches that band together. And it's like, hey, I just have a heart for like affordable childcare. And like, I just want to pay for some kids to have access to the daycare. And I just think about why is that not calling? And why is calling so tied to what you are called to do as an individual? And so I think when I think of communal calling, I think of both things. One, not discerning in a, alone, like using community. But I also think for some of us that are so focused on ourselves, maybe rather than focusing ourselves, looking around, what do your neighbors need? What is a a need that you can meet, that you have the capacity? I mean, I spoke about like, you know, someone who's not able to pursue a calling because they're a single mom and they, you know, have to work. What would it be like for a community to come around that mother and, you know, help shuttle kids to and from wherever kids, (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) I don't have children, but to practice, to school, And so I just think, right, that that is a calling that we can experience in community. And I just think sometimes I think, especially for people who are maybe struggling to find their calling, expanding your field of vision um, helps you find your way in ways that you were not expecting. I have seen that in my own life, how God has used things I was not expecting to put me um, where he needed me to be and also take things away. So, um, yeah, I, I think communal calling is such a beautiful gift, right? Like God set you in a family, God set you in a neighborhood, God set you in a state and a country. What might it look like to think about calling in that sphere for a season rather than just like, okay, God, like, what do you want me to do with my life? (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think, you know, I haven't heard it said in that way, but what I love about it is it's really talking about like, what can I do in my life that is of benefit to my community and to my neighbor that isn't just about what am I personally here to do for X, Y, and Z, but What can I contribute to those around me that could be something that contributes to larger and broader change? There is something that I can do. If it's supporting a single mom and, you know, that I'm friends with or have a relationship with and it's like, hey, I can help pick your kids up from school. They go to the same school as mine. I can drop them off for you. Or, you know, hey, do you need some extra time to yourself? You can bring your kid over to my house for dinner. Like, What does it truly mean to live in community and love one another? If you are a person that's passionate about the family and like, how can we have more connected family units? How can you support those who don't have family nearby? What does it look like for you to open up your yourself to those to those things? I love what you're saying. I feel like that is so great and it's so overlooked. It seems so simple, but it, it's actually um, something that I feel like we should focus more on rather than trying to like, hey, I'm going to try to survive in my corner. Good luck to you. And um, that's about it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a very Americanized, yeah. you know, version or, or way of thinking. And I think you put so much, honestly, as someone who lived this, you put so much pressure on yourself to find the thing. And it's like 
to your point, like with social media, you look around and it's like everybody has found their thing and I don't know what my thing is. And I feel like this sort of broader definition helps you realize, okay, it could be more than one thing. The thing could not be about me at all. It could be, you know, about, you know, my kid or my neighbor's kid or, you know, the girls in my, that, you know, I teach Sunday school could be about the girls in my Sunday school class or my small group. And like, what does it look like? I, something you said earlier, I thought was so powerful about like that it's easier to present a face for 10 to 15 minutes on a stage than in the day to day, the people that actually know you. So, you know, you're calling to the folks in your small group, like, guys, it is rough in these streets, like checking in, being a small group leader or a member of the small group that just randomly every week calls through the list. And like, what does it look like to be faithful in that? And that maybe God has called you to that for a season. And so, Lord, I don't know what's going on with my career. I don't know about this promotion. I don't know about this company. I don't know about these coworkers. I don't know what's going on here. But I'm going to be faithful in this because I know you've called me to this rather than being so focused on. Yeah, I think it's like the Americanized. And I think it's like that American dream that we've kind of meshed with Christianity. Mm -hmm. So then it's like we're like killing ourselves for like, yeah, like. You know, I I would say don't put so much pressure on yourself because I think God, you know, your mom, your grandma always says this, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And I think opening yourself up to the mystery that it is not your thing alone or the thing you just do for yourself. Yeah. I think if there's anything, like as we close out this episode, that you all like if there's anything we love for you to take home um and like think about and hold in your heart is take the pressure off of yourself um you might have a myriad of things that you love and feel called to that might take place in different phases and iterations of your life it might not all happen at once and it's okay if you don't even know what that is or what it looks like but i think it's more so about keeping your heart open Instead of keeping yourself boxed in that you have to figure it out right now. You don't have to, but it's every day, just something new will unfold and come alive in you. And I think it's okay to be content with, you know, seeing what those things are and trusting that God will lead you along the way as you, you know, pursue what the things that you're interested in or you're passionate about, or in some seasons you work and you do your job and you you know, get the the bills paid because that's what you need to do. And that's fine too. Yeah. You're not, yeah, you're not a JV Christian if you're working to pay the bills and like feed your family and you're not living out this, this glamour, you know, this more glamorized version of Christianity. And I would also say what another nugget or piece of advice for those that are really searching for a calling is find some seasoned saints. You know, they got a little salt, pepper, gray in their hair, someone at your church, maybe someone on your job and just ask, hey, can I take you to lunch? You will be surprised. There were so many women um, in my church women's ministry that I thought were just like homemakers, Mm -hmm. you know, folly of youth. And then you get to talk to them and they've had many careers and like, They did do homemaking as a season of life. And I think that really so much wisdom. And I think it helped me kind of shift perspective of like, you might have many callings. You'll have many seasons. Yeah. So take the pressure off. Yeah. I think that, you know, my hope for everybody as you're listening is to be open and just truly see the beauty in each day and the things that you desire 
they will unfold. You don't know how, and that's okay, but they will unfold. (laughs) Yes. God is faithful. I truly believe if you are earnestly seeking him, he is faithful. So we would love for you all to chop it up with us over on Instagram. Talk to us about your thoughts about career calling. Let us know if you wanted to talk a little bit more or deeper about some of these things and concepts. And also, if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. And if you'd like to support us financially to keep this podcast running, you can join us over on Patreon at Melanated Faith. And um, thanks, y'all. We'll see you next time. Bye.